You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. Let me share with you um, some things out of Luke chapter 5. I want to read to you verses 1 through 11. Uh, Luke tells us, So it was as the multitude pressed about him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the lake of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. When he had got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, uh, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, he said at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful, sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. You know, a genuine Christ follower. I've said a few times in this platform over recent months, I'm starting to actually dislike the term Christian. It's not used in the Bible much. It's it's used in a certain place in the book of Acts where they said this is where they were first known as Christians. But the term Christian around the world has some pretty negative connotations. If you want to go into a particular country as a missionary and you tell them you're a Christian, you won't be welcome. But if you tell them you're a Christ follower, they will welcome you with open arms because they, they do see a difference today between what a Christian represents and what a Christ follower represents. And I, I believe that a genuine Christ follower will live their life with a very strong sense of mission, a very strong sense of purpose, that they are anointed and appointed to go somewhere and do something significant for the kingdom of God. And I believe that a genuine Christ follower living with a sense of mission will spend their life somehow, in some way, seeking to meet the needs of people that Jesus died to save. Because the very one that they profess to follow is seeking to save that which is lost. The very one they say they follow as a Christian, what does that mean? Well, I follow Jesus. Well, if you truly are a genuine follower of Jesus, he is leading you to broken and lost people. If you are genuinely a Christ follower, guess where he's going? And if you're following him wherever he is going, then you're saying that's where you're going to. That's why I I don't like the term Christian anymore because it doesn't generally mean someone who's following Jesus. A genuine Christ follower will be someone who lives with a tremendous sense of mission and will understand, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, freely you have received, freely give. 
Freely you have received, freely, freely give. You know, God has done so much for me as a man. He's done so much for me. He's done so much in me. He has blessed me. I, I could look back over my life and I could write a book on the blessing and the favor of God and the goodness of God intertwined with the challenges and the disappointments and the setback and the, and the struggles and the discomfort and the pain, intertwined in all of that, outshining all of that, would be all of the good things that God has done for me. And I want to say this to you, that when I look back and reflect on everything that God has done for me, more often than not, what he has done for me has been done through other Christ followers. What he has done for me has been, has been given to me through the conduit of someone else who loves Jesus and who is seeking to follow him to the lost and the broken, who is seeking to be his heart, to be his representative, to be his ambassador on this planet, representing his kingdom, representing his love, representing his generosity, representing his kindness. What he has done for me as a general rule has been done through others. And I have been greatly, greatly blessed. But I can't just consume my blessing on myself. I was in an event recently and I sat with a man and, and uh, as the conversation unfolded, it's a normal conversation. What do you do? What do I do? Discovered he, he goes to church. He found out I go to church and then discovered I was a pastor and proceeded to chew my ear for about an hour about a church he used to go to and this new pastor came and this new pastor came and he changed everything. We used to have this event, we'd get together, we'd have lunch all the time and we really enjoyed that but he shut that down. And then we had this other program that, that my friends and I, we used to always go to and we so enjoyed that and, and he shut that down too. And after about an hour of listening to all the shutdowns, and the shutdown of the things that he so enjoyed, the things that he so lived for, the things that so blessed him and so made his life full of joy and purpose and happiness. It was all about him feeling good and all about him being comfortable. And, and he's telling me about how these pastors who come in and want to change things. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, we can be mongrel sometimes, I know. It uh, goes with the package. But you know, I remember thinking as I was talking to this man, I am so glad that when I first walked through the doors of a church, you weren't the first person I met. I'm so glad that the people I met, the people that Jesus connected me with, were people that loved him and loved the church despite its weaknesses, despite its stains, despite its shortcomings, despite its scandals. They loved Jesus and they loved the church that Jesus was building. And they kept talking about him and his goodness and his greatness and his plan and purpose for my life. And they motivated me. They encouraged me. They inspired me. And sure, in due course, I met people that rubbed me the wrong way. I met people, Christians, who really were nothing more but religious churchgoers. They weren't truly Christ followers who actually did turn me off, but I'm so glad they weren't the first introduction. I'm glad that I met people that loved God and wanted his best for their life and were encouraging me that I could have his best for my life as well. I'm so glad that, that I was so introduced in such a way that people went out of their way to steer me, to direct me, to mentor me, to disciple me, to encourage me. You know, Christian ministry 
is about taking our gifts, our talents, our resources and using them to serve the needs of others in Jesus' name. That's what ministry is. Don't, don't live with the mindset, oh, I'm not in ministry. Marty and Margot are in ministry. Joel's in ministry. Jono's in ministry. And, you, you know, I, I, just, I go to church. I, I work somewhere else. No, we're all in ministry because all ministry is, is about taking what we have freely received and freely giving it to someone else. Being available for Jesus to speak through, for Jesus to touch someone through, being available to be a conduit of his life. And I, I venture to say that Christians who live stingy, self-centered lives, where, where their Christian life is all about them, all about God's blessing for them, all about God helping them, all about God saving them, all about God growing them, all about God protecting them. I venture to say Christians who live stingy, self-centered lives have not truly had an encounter with God. That's a pretty heavy statement to say. But I believe when you have an encounter with God, you see in, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, we are called to share in his divine nature. That, that means that he deposits something of himself in us and we become like him, that we are changed into his likeness. We think like he thinks. We value what he values. We love what he loves. And it's a journey. But the more I encounter him, the more I spend time in his presence, the more he touches me and I touch him, the more I am transformed into his nature. The more his nature comes upon me. And, you know, I, I, I believe as I read through the Bible and I read and I touched on this a little bit a few weeks back where I spoke about some of the, the, the dramatic encounters that some people had with God. When you go back and look over some of those encounters and I, I can't go through all of them today, but there are so many you could talk about. But when you, you look at men and women that had a genuine encounter with God, where they met God face to face, they emerged from that encounter, encounter with a sense of mission. They emerged with a sense of purpose that they carried something from heaven and they were meant to take it to someone on earth. Uh, you look at Abraham. God comes to Abraham and says to him, get out. Go. It was mission. He said, get out from what you know. Get out from what you find comfortable. Get out from your, your, your family and your, your land. Get out from where you've grown up. Get out and, and go. And there was a sense of mission that, that uh, Abraham emerged with after he had encountered God. You know, the blessing of God upon our life is not for us. We can enjoy it. We can enjoy it, but it's not meant to stay in us like a reservoir. You've probably heard preachers talk about the Sea of Galilee compared to the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee is the Lake of Gennesaret. We just read about that right at the top of the, uh, the land of Israel. And then the Jordan River flows down into the Dead Sea. And the Sea of Galilee is full of fish. It's full of life. It nourishes the community. But the Dead Sea has nothing living in it. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. And the reason the Sea of Galilee is full of life is because it has an inlet and an outlet. But the Dead Sea only has an inlet. It doesn't have an outlet. So everything putrefies inside the Dead Sea. And it's like the Christian life. We are meant to have an inlet from heaven, but an outlet to the earth in which we live. You, you look at Moses when he encountered God in Genesis, uh, Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush. He has a dramatic encounter with God and then he is told to go. And you know the story, he goes to the king of Egypt, to the Pharaoh. And his life was anything but comfortable. 
But he emerged from his God encounter as a man on a mission. And then you've got Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. The, the glory of the Lord fills the temple. His presence permeates the temple. And Isaiah is having an encounter in the throne room of God, inspired by the presence of God, the majesty of God, the power of God. And I know Christians who dream about, if I could just have an encounter with God, let me tell you something. If you have an encounter with God, it'll change you forever. It'll ruin you. It'll turn you into a man on a mission. And when you you realize... What happened to Isaiah, he encounters the majesty of God and the presence of God and the power of God. The voice of the Lord comes out of it and says, whom shall we send? There's the Trinity for you. Whom shall we send? And Isaiah, not even thinking, not even knowing what it was all about. Oh, I'm here. I'll go. Why, why was he so willing without even weighing up what it would look like, what it would cost him, where it would take him, what potentially he would lose, the discomforts that he would find, the comforts that he would have to give up? He, he just said, yeah, here I am, because he encountered God and an encounter with God will ruin you for anything else in life. But living with a sense of I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed to... Bring life to those around me. And here we have Peter in Luke chapter 5. He moves beyond an acquaintance with Jesus. Because that's all he had. He'd met Jesus. He knew Jesus. But he moves beyond an acquaintance with Jesus. And he steps into a place where he becomes a man on a mission. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What was it that happened? He encountered Behind the veil of the humanity of the Son of God, he got a glimpse of the glory of God. Who saw the movie Cocoon? 1985 Ron Howard movie Cocoon. I, I'm not into science fiction. I'm not, I like real movies. Like tell a true story based on facts. You know, like Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, <laughs> the, the BFG. They're the movies that I... I really, really like. But, the, but Cocoon, it was produced by Ron Howard and it was about these aliens who came down and used this disused nursing home to ha- um, nurture and hash their cocoons. And these old people found it and they began to swim in the pool and it, gave, it was like a fountain of youth. And it brought back youthfulness to them. And life and energy kind of flowed. And somewhere in the movie, Brian Dennehy was one of the actors. He was an alien. And they wore like these costumes that made them look like humans. But they really were humans because they were playing the part. It was an act. you know. They weren't really aliens. But at some point in the movie, somebody says to Brian Dennehy, you are one of those aliens, aren't you? And he lifts his eyelid. And when he lifts his eyelid, this dazzling ray of light penetrates the atmosphere and they cover their faces. It's like it was dazzling. That, that's kind of what happened to Peter here at the Lake of Galilee. He got a glimpse of the glory of God. He got a glimpse of the power, the majesty, the sovereignty, the divinity behind the humanity. And he fell at the feet of Jesus and said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And he came back to his human presentation and said, it's okay, Peter, follow me and I'll I'll make you a fisher of men. When you get a glimpse of the glory of God, when you encounter God, like Peter did, like Moses did, like Abraham did, like Isaiah did, like many, many others, you, you will emerge with a sense of mission. Your stinginess will turn to generosity. Guarantee it. 
Guarantee it. If I meet a stingy Christian, I think, I don't think you've ever met the Lord because he is anything but stingy. He is so generous. He is so kind. He is so giving. And if we encounter him as he really is, I will become giving. I will become kind. It's what John was saying. When you encounter his love, you will begin to love. When you encounter his power, his power will begin to flow through you. When you encounter his generosity, you will become generous automatically. You won't even think twice about it. You will just give away. You will just give away and give away and give away because you'll understand that God is such a giver. He'll just keep flowing into you like the Sea of Galilee as you flow it back out again. Don't become like the Dead Sea. Just so devoid of life. When I get a glimpse of the glory of God, my dreams give way to his dreams. My plans surrender to his, his purpose. I rapidly decrease. And here Peter at the Sea of Galilee encounters the divinity of Jesus veiled behind his humanity. When you determine to live your life with a sense of mission and your heart's cry is, Father, help me to see what you see. Listen to me. Help me to see what you see, but not only see what you see, help me to hear what you hear. Because let me tell you what God hears. God hears the cry of broken humanity. He hears it. And he's seeking to save that which is lost. And his heart is to seek and to save through us that which is lost. That's why the church is such a dynamic organism that is alive across the planet. We are not the church. We are an expression of the church here in this place. uh, Linking arms and partnering with the expression of his church in other places across our city, across our nation, across our world. So that together the church is infiltrating and bringing the love of God and the power of God and the majesty of God to the broken and the lost. God, let me, help me see the broken that you see. Help me to hear the cry of their heart. But Father, help, give me a heart that feels what you feel. Because when we feel what he feels and we see what he sees and we, we, we sense and hear what he's hearing, it'll turn us into a person of mission. You know, isn't it interesting? You become a person on mission, you will discover a flow of blessing. And I emphasize the word flow. We're not meant to be reservoirs. We're meant to be conduits. You will discover a flow of blessing. Isn't it interesting? When Jesus spoke about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and John referenced this around communion today, isn't it interesting that he says, when you believe in me, he did not say, into your innermost being will flow. He said, out of your innermost being will flow. But when we receive the empowering of the Holy Spirit, out of us will flow rivers of living water, rivers of living water that will nourish, that will sustain, that will will bring life to the broken, to the dry, to the barren, to the needy, out of our innermost being. But yet we've got churches with people today that are going in saying, God, fill me, Lord, fill me, Lord, fill me, Lord. No, he's going, let me flow out of you. And as he flows out of you, he will then fill you. But he'll fill you so he can flow out of you again and you can enjoy the whole thing in the process. Because it's not just about me. Out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. We, we are created and called to be a flow of the life of God. 
That doesn't mean you have to go out and be a street evangelist. You can be a flow of the life of God serving tea and coffee downstairs. You can be a flow of the life of God cooking in the kitchen at Hope Cafe. You can be a flow of the life of God carrying the trays, the meals out to the guests at Hope Cafe. You can be a flow of the life of God greeting people on the door with a smile. Wouldn't that make a difference? Hello, welcome to church. I hope you got your earplugs in. The music's a bit loud today. We're meant to be a flow of the life of God. True joy is discovered when we realize we carry something that will change the world. And then we begin to share it. That's why we are blessed to be a blessing. John 17, the prayer of Jesus to the Father. He says in verse 13, Now I'm coming to you. I told them, the disciples, many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I told them many things. You encounter God, joy will come. You hear his voice, joy will come. When he begins to speak into your life, your future, your destiny, answers to problems that you had no solution to in the past, when he begins to flow into your life, Jesus told his disciple things so they would be filled with his joy. And then he goes on, he says in verse 18, just as you sent me into the world, now I'm sending them. Now I'm sending them. Let's not be religious churchgoers who just warm a pew and get upset because somebody came in and sat where you always sit. I've heard about churches like that and I thought, thank God we never had one, but I found we did have one. I've been horrified at some of the things that come back to me. It's like we are meant to be a life flow. We are meant to be a life flow. Embracing people. If I come to church on Sunday and someone's sitting right there where Joel is, that's my seat. It's even got a reserve sign on it. I don't care. I'll stand up down the back and wait till it's time for me to come on because I want people to find a seat so they can get into the flow, so they can go out and be the flow. And you might say, oh, you're just saying that because you're the pastor. I, I hope you're thinking that way. I can't reach this city on my own. We have to do it together. Let me tell you something. A genuine encounter with God will destroy your consumer mentality. It'll destroy it. So if you want to stay a consumer, a sponge, sucking up the life around you rather than being a life generator to those around you, if you want to be like that, avoid God at all costs. Because he will ruin you for that. He will destroy your consumer mentality. If you are a person that just focuses on your own life advancement, your own future, your, your own wants and desires, your own aches and pains, and that's all you focus on, that's all you think about. I hope I get something today. I hope I receive today. I hope the preacher's got something good to say today. I hope he doesn't challenge me about evangelism today. I hope he doesn't make me go out and just avoid God at all costs because that's not the God we serve. That's not the God we worship. And I thank God for that because he's not like that. I'm here today my life would be a mess if I didn't find Jesus when I did I was on the road to drug addiction alcoholism I was on the road to being a selfish man that just wanted life to be all about him that was the way I thought that's the way I was but Jesus got a hold of my life and it was a journey of change and I know many of you have been like that and you've been on a journey of change God is changing you when you spend yourself serving others let me, let me tell you, something 
of an amazing healing and restorative nature will flow into your life. Guarantee it. Don't just come along, oh, I've got this need. I hope they'll pray for me. Start to find somebody else you can serve and you watch. You watch what unflows. Proverbs chapter 11. And I'm going to start to land this thing now. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 through 25. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. That is so contradictory, isn't it? Got to hang on to it. Got to hold it. Got to, don't, don't share it. Don't give it. There won't be enough for me. But the Bible actually says, no, if you live the opposite and you scatter, you will increase the more. There's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Don't play with the principles of God. Don't be self-absorbed. Don't be self-centered. I've got to have this, so I've got enough. And if there's any left over, then I'll help somebody else's need in the process. No, get other people focused and you watch the power of healing and blessing and increase flow into your life. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. That's a promise from God's word. I read a story this week of a mine worker in Ireland. And I'm going to read it to you. It's very brief, but I'm going to read it to you. The story is told of a mine worker in Ireland who during the great potato famine of 1847, he took his lunch each day to work, but he ate alone. Sneaking away from his co-workers, he would only then open his lunchbox. The other workers burned with curiosity, wondering why he was hiding his lunch. They assumed that he had some delicious morsels that he refused to share. Finally, they could stand the suspense no longer. Somebody snuck in, opened his lunchbox to find that it was full of potato peels. While his children were given the potatoes for their lunches, he took the peels. His great sacrifice, watch this actually provided him with the most vitamins and minerals that are contained in the potato. Not understanding what science has revealed to us in recent years, this father was enriching himself rather than his children with his sacrificial giving. While we have no idea whether this story is actually true or not, it doesn't really matter. Every child could tell a similar story of their parents' sacrificial giving to benefit his or her childhood. But the principles of self-sacrifice are shown in this story that when we put others above ourselves, we are the ones that benefit the most. He was giving the potato solid to his kids and taking the peels. He was sacrificing but had no idea. He was getting the most benefit. It's the principle of if you give, you will increase. If you become somebody who looks beyond yourself, your own struggles, your own weaknesses, your own aches and pains, if you look beyond yourself and say, where can I serve kingdom purpose? Where can I follow Jesus to the lost, the broken and the hurting? Where can I go to be a part of a team? You, you know, some people can't cope with the smashed up brokenness in some people's lives and you are not necessarily wired to do that but you can be a part of a team in the background that helps create an atmosphere for those that are the on front line paramedics that can actually get in there and rebuild broken people did you get the concept of that story 
He was taking the pills because I want my kids to have the best, but didn't know. He was actually getting the best. So when you live a life of giving your best to others, you don't realize that you're actually getting the best from heaven. God will make sure that you always increase. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The measure you use, it will be measured to you. Don't live self-centered, self-absorbed lives. What will God do for me? You'll only set yourself up for an offense with God. I was talking to Danny Guglielmucci. The band can come back, Joel thinks. I was talking to Danny Guglielmucci in the last week, and he was telling me he's been unpacking the story of Cain in Genesis chapter 4. And now Cain and Abel brought their offering to the Lord, and Abel's offering was accepted, but Cain's offering was rejected. And Cain then was, was uh, angry, rose up, murdered his brother Abel, and he, he's made a wanderer. And he goes to the land of Nod. Then he was just telling me, and I haven't looked into this deeply, but he was telling me as he's, he's dug into it, the land of Nod means homeless, a place of wandering. And he said, the, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you know, we have a lot of homeless, wandering Christians who won't lock into a church because they've been offended, because God didn't do what they wanted. God didn't accept their sacrifice. God didn't come through when they'd hoped. They get offended and they run and they run off to the land of Nod. And it's not the purpose of God. God doesn't come through the way you want. It's because he's got a better plan. We just have to learn to let him order our steps. Through the dark times, the tough times, the wet times, the cold times, you will come out on another mountaintop at some point. Be refueled, refired, ready to go again. Let's be people who live lives beyond ourselves. I, I really have a belief that the Lord is actually calling our congregation to higher levels of service. I believe he's calling you to a higher level of service. To not just warm a pew, but find where can you contribute? Where can you be a part of the team? Where can you function to help us go beyond where we are today and be a blessing to the city around us. I think there is some changes on the horizon. Don't be like my friend at that function. Oh, I like that, and the pastor shut it down. Let's be bigger thinkers. Let's be bigger thinkers. I've got an eldership meeting tonight. I've just felt in the last couple of weeks, the Lord calling me, it's time to enlarge our eldership base again. I'm going to get our elders up on the platform in the next week or so. We're going to pray for them. We've now got an eldership of seven in our church again, and I'm excited because they're, they're made up of men who are planted in the house, love the vision of the house. They're looking forward for the future of the house. And tonight we're going to start talking about some strategy. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things I think the Lord's telling us to shut down. Some of the things the Lord's telling us to change direction in. Some of you may not be affected at all, but if you are affected... Please, let's just be bigger thinkers and go, how can we be a better flow of blessing to the country, the world that we are planted in to reach until Jesus comes? Amen.